If you have a uh, copy of God's Word with you, <clears throat> excuse me, please turn to the letter to the Romans, Romans chapter 1. I want to read for us the first few verses in Romans chapter 1, and we will spend our time this morning in verses 8 through 13 mainly, but I would like for us to hear from verse 1 through verse number 15 as I read. The, uh, some of these verses will be on the screen, I believe. I don't know if all of them will be. But uh, you listen as uh, God's word is uh, read this morning. Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle, set apart for the gospel of God, which he promised, which God promised beforehand through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures, concerning his son, who was descended from David according to the flesh, And was declared to be the Son of God in power according to the Spirit of holiness by His resurrection from the dead, Jesus Christ our Lord. Through whom, through Christ, through Jesus, we have received grace and apostleship to bring about the obedience of faith for the sake of His name among all the nations, including you, who are called to belong to Jesus Christ, to all those in Rome, verse 7 states, to all those in Rome who are loved by God and called to be saints, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you because your faith is proclaimed in all the world. For God is my witness, whom I serve with my spirit in the gospel of his Son, that without ceasing I mention you always in my prayers, asking that somehow by God's will I may now at last succeed in coming to you. For I long to see you, that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to strengthen you. That is, that we that we may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith, both yours and mine. I want you to know, brothers, that I have often intended to come to you, but thus far have been prevented, in order that I may reap some harvest among you as well as among the rest of the Gentiles. I'm under obligation both to Greeks and to barbarians, both to the wise and to the foolish. So I am eager to preach the gospel to you also who are in Rome. You know, this uh, last few weeks I've read that passage, and I've read uh, through chapter 1, chapter 2, chapter 3 of Romans a number of times here of late as we are on this journey. And I, I couldn't help but to think about what took place some eight years ago. Eight years ago this month, eight years ago in February of 07, I had um, answered the call 
accepted the call to plant River Bend. It had been a month, and we as a group of some six, possibly sometimes eight people were meeting. Every Sunday night, we were praying, we were reading the Scripture, we were asking God to bless this church, the church that was called at that time the church at River Bend, not knowing some eight years later what or where we would be, that we would be actually in Hernando, that we would be here this morning. And, you know, I prayed already this morning that it's not a coincidence that you're here. I I don't believe in coincidences. I believe that God ordains every moment because He is sovereign over every moment and He knows exactly where every single one of you, where we are And he desires for you and he desires for me this morning to be here and to worship. This morning when I woke up, I uh, was thinking about this. And there's a, uh, if you look at my Facebook page, Twitter, Instagram, whatever, there are a number of pastors locally and throughout the nation that that I take Sunday mornings, and, and I just pray for them. They're my friends. I love them. They have um, spoken into my life, or I am uh, a co-laborer with them. And, and this morning, I, I've just been chewing on a couple of verses, and I, I want to read those verses for you. And I put that in my prayer for these men. But there are also verses that for this season I want you to grab a hold of. I want us as a church to understand and to live out. Ephesians chapter 3 verse 20 and 21 states this. Now to him, to God, to him who is able to do far more Abundantly than all that we ask or think. Now, to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we are able to ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him, to to God, be glory in the church. And in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. River Bend, I want us to not just know those verses. I want us to believe those verses. I want us to live those verses. Because either God is who He says He is, and we're going to see Him work in, in Romans and We're going to apply that, seek to apply that to our hearts and to our lives today. Either He is who He says He is, or we're here in vain. He says that He is able to do far more abundantly than you could ask or you could think. According to His power that's at work within us. For his glory in the church and also in Christ Jesus throughout all the generations forever and ever. Amen. Maybe this is the first time you've read those verses or you've had those verses read in your presence. You hadn't thought about those verses before or 
Maybe you might find yourself on the spectrum like me. You know those verses. You've heard those verses a number of times, but you've never personalized those verses. No matter where you are on the spectrum, I want you to grasp those verses this morning, that he is able to do far abundantly more than you could ever ask or think. And then the question is this, what are you asking him? What are we asking him for? Let me pray. Heavenly Father, I bow. Father, what a challenge found in Romans chapter 1 this morning. God, I'm so grateful for your servant that you used to pin these words that you have kept for some 2,000 years For us, your sons, your daughters, for us, those that you love, those that you you desire us to know you as you know us. Father, I, I stand this morning in your presence and confess that, God, there's been moments and there's been days and there's been weeks if not months, that I have not asked anything of substantial weight. And God, that just shows how little faith I've had in you in the past. Father, you are a good God. You are a great God. You are the only living God. And you state in your word that you are able to do far, abundantly, more. And I could ever ask or I could ever think about. Father, there is a a prayer that is given in Romans chapter 1 by one of your servants. One of your servants to a local body, to a church. God, may you open our eyes to this prayer. In such a way that we don't think more highly of Paul. Father, we don't think more highly of the people at Rome. But Father, we think more highly of you. For you are the author and the finisher of our faith. You are on your throne yesterday, today, and forevermore. And you desire Brian Tillman, you desire River Bend, you desire every individual in this place this morning to see you, to worship you, to come before you with praise, with offerings, with, just as Sean stated a moment ago, with obedience. So Father, would you speak? God, use me this morning for your namesake and for your glory, I ask. Christ's name, amen. Romans chapter 1, it is, uh, as we looked at last week, and I, I stated last week for those that were here, it is the summit, I, I believe the summit of the epistles are the letters to the churches, and it is a weighty, weighty letter. And we're going to 
spend the next few weeks leading up to Easter in chapters 1, 2, and 3. And this morning our text is chapter 1, verse 8, down through verse 13. And it is the first aspect of the doctrine or the theology that Paul desires for the people at Rome to understand. You must remember that they have not seen him He has not seen them. They, I'm sure, have heard of each other. He has heard of them. It's even in this passage that he says, Hey, your faith has been proclaimed throughout all the world. And so they have been known to Paul. He has desired, and even in this aspect or this part of the letter, he wants to come see them. He tells them that. But up to this point, he has not. And so he is introducing himself to them formally in this letter. And by doing so, he starts with a prayer. Three keys this morning. The first, as we look at this prayer, is this. There is a thankful appreciation. A thankful appreciation on behalf of others that is spoken of. Look in... These verses, once again, he says this in verse number 8. First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you. I thank Him for all of you because your faith is proclaimed in all the world. There is a thankful appreciation on behalf of others that is spoken of. There's a couple of reminders that I just told you about. He hadn't seen them. They haven't seen him. He's never been in their presence physically, yet he longs to be there. And so he's writing on that behalf. This letter is God's word to them at Rome. And it's God's word. It has been kept for you and for me. And Paul wrote to his child in the faith, In 2 Timothy chapter 3, all scripture is breathed out by God. It's profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for the training in righteousness that the man of God or that the woman of God may be complete, may be equipped for every good work. He's hundreds of miles away. There's no internet, there's no Facebook, no Twitter, no Instagram, no Snapchat, there's no Romans Times Journal on a daily basis, there is no NBC News, etc. But the news of these people and their faith has reached the world, and he is writing in appreciation He's writing in appreciation. He's saying, church at Rome, thank you. Thank you for everything that you have done. Thank you for standing in the midst of the turmoil and the persecution that I know is coming or that is already there. Thank you for your faith. We don't know who planted this church, but we know that this great church planner, Paul, is thankful for the people he's writing to and for their faith. You say, Brian, what, 
what does that mean for me? What's that mean for, for us today? If, if, if he's thankful, that's well and good. That's great. But what does it mean for us that he says, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you. Because your faith is proclaimed in all the world. Paul opens this letter up with a prayer. It's, it's a prayer of appreciation to this church that undoubtedly, undoubtedly it needed encouragement. And so he is writing to them for just that, to encourage them in the midst of the stress and in the midst of the life that they find themselves. Paul wanted this church to know that they were impacting the city, that they were impacting the state, they were impacting the region, the empire. The empire knew what was going on in Rome because of their faithfulness. To the gospel. Ruben, I want to come alongside of you and I want to thank you. For the past eight years, it has uh, been a journey. A journey that um, no one would have ever thought would have brought us to this point where we are today. But it has been a journey and I want to thank you. Because without you, we wouldn't be here. Church family, the, the way that you pitch in to get things done, thank you. Let, let me encourage you in a couple of ways specifically, just as Paul was thanking them for their faith and that their faith had been proclaimed in all the world. Mainly you ladies, thank you for your willingness to serve back in the back. Every week we have different workers that are um, with nursery all the way through third grade. And without that, some of the people that are in this room that are listening to me right now, you wouldn't be here because, you know what, if your kid was in here and he or she was acting like a kid, like they're supposed to do because they're kids, you couldn't hear the gospel. But because we have ladies and some gentlemen, thank you, gentlemen, for helping your wives out because you know if your wife isn't happy at the house, you're not going to be happy, and so you will spend an hour back there with her helping her. So thank you for that. But your willingness to do that enables people. I, I, you know, we make fun, and that's great. But, but really, your willingness to serve back there allows people to hear the gospel. Thank you. Because of your willingness to serve, we have seen ministry at this place broaden. We have seen ministry at this church at River Bend be strengthened, be lengthened, and the cords of the ministry here at River Bend are continuing to grow. I thank Stephen and Holly, they're back in the back serving now. I thank Sean and Kendall, uh, staff members who allow me. And allow us to have more ministry because of the work that they do for him to serve you. So, thank you. One of the areas I applaud you and I thank you and your appreciation is that of acting. When you hear a need, you don't just stand around and say, well, I wonder who's going to meet that need. You meet the need. A few weeks ago, we spoke about 
some financial needs. And I asked this morning, I, I don't want to stand up here and tell a lie, but to my knowledge, we just finished the best giving January in our eight-year existence. Usually, we are $10,000 short in January, and we're taking the rest of the year trying to catch up. But if you look at the back or the bottom of the bulletin, you will see that we are exceeded what the budget is required of. Now, that does not give me nor you the liberty or right to not give in February through December, but I want to thank you for your gifts And because of that, we see ministry happening all around us. And that's what Paul is saying to the people here at Rome. He's saying, thank you. Thank you for the example that you are setting. Everybody in the world sees that, is hearing of that. And you need to understand that. Thank you so much. There is an appreciation of others that is being given and is being spoken of. But a second key is not just that appreciation, but you and I have the opportunity to see just a glimpse of one person's prayer journal. One person's prayer life is is just a small snippet, so to speak, of Paul's prayer life is given and it's shared. You get to look at his journal or just one entry into this journal that Paul lets the people at Rome and he lets you and he lets me in to see. I don't know if you are a person that keeps up with a journal. Uh, here's, here's my journaling. I journal for about three days and then I just set it aside for a couple of years. You know, I, just where I am. I, I journal for a couple of days and then, hey, all right, we did that. Let's just lay off that for about two, maybe three, maybe five years, and let's go back and look at it again. Here's Paul's. He says, uh, hey, church, let me just write down this. For God is my witness in whom I serve with my spirit in the gospel of his son, that without ceasing... I mention you always in my prayers. What, what, a, uh, what a statement. There is some emphasis in this statement that we grasp, but I need you to truly grasp how he is emphasizing what he is praying for and how he prays. First, he says, okay, I'm telling you the truth. And here's one way that you can know that I'm telling you the truth. God is my witness. It's as if he is standing up. He is in the box as a witness in front of the judge. God's the judge. And there is a huge courtroom. And everybody's sitting out in the audience. And he is saying, I solemnly swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. So help me, God. Here is my witness. God, God, you're my witness. Here's how much I'm praying for you, Romans. Here's how much I am spending time with you. So that's the first. He's saying, God, you're my witness on this. Then he says, second, whom I serve with my spirit in the gospel of his son. So he's clarifying, hey, here's what my job is. My job is that I'm serving the gospel. I'm serving the son with the gospel 
to everybody that I come in contact with. And here's how he emphasizes and clarifies it even more. That without ceasing. Without ceasing. I mention you always in my prayers. It's not that I mention you in my prayers. It's not that I, you know, without ceasing I'm praying. But no, without ceasing I mention you always in my prayers. Paul prays. He prays without ceasing. It is a continual thought that is going on in his mind. It is a continual action that is taking place in his body, in his life, in his day. Now, does that mean that Paul didn't stop and eat? No, he stopped and he ate. Does that mean that he didn't stop and he um, made conversation? No, that's not what it means. It means this, though, that there is a church that he flat loved. And he longed to see them so much that he had never seen them, never been there, that he was continually going before the Father. And he was asking, God, would you continue to work in them? God, would you allow me? Father, would your spirit allow me to go and be a part of what you're doing at Rome? He mentions them. This just a reminder. He's lifting them up to the Father. For the Father to give grace, for the Father to give favor to them, for the Father to use them to continue to spread His name throughout the world through them. Paul wanted to come see them and his desire was that he might have fruit or he might see fruit there in Rome. He's thankful. He desires to see growth. He desires to strengthen them. I was thinking about this. There, there's, I don't know about you, but there's God. It's just so hard. If, if I don't see you weekly, if I don't see you monthly, you know, you, you get put on the back burner. Sorry. But here is somebody that Paul had never seen. And he said, my love for you is so strong that this, I am praying without ceasing Always. Always that I might come to you. When's the last time, question for me, question for you, when's the last time that you prayed for something or someone without ceasing? Always. How long was that span? Was that span a day? Without ceasing, I mean always, that whole Monday, I was praying for you. Maybe it bled over to a week. Without ceasing, always for the week of the 1st through the 8th of February 2015, without ceasing, and always I was, am, praying for you. Without ceasing, is that that you lifted it up three times? Always. We got five. We're working on a second hand now. Without ceasing, always. How often have you lifted someone up to the Father? 
God said without ceasing. Always. Here is my prayer life. Here is my spiritual life. Here is one entry into my journal without ceasing. Always. God's my witness. I mention you. Asking that somehow. By God's will, I may now at last succeed in coming to you. Don't think that his prayer was just selfish in this request. His prayer was not selfish. His prayer was kingdom-minded. His prayer was so much more than what he would get out of it. It was that God would use the Romans, that God would use this church at the center of the empire of the world of its day for his name and for his glory, that God would do abundantly more than Paul could ask or think through the people at Rome. But also see the qualification qualifiers, so to speak, of this prayer. He wanted to. He wanted to see them. But it wasn't that he was jumping on a boat and he was just going because he wanted to do it. Have you ever just, it's a good thing. I want to do this. It is a good thing. It's not sin. It's not wrong. I want this. It is a good thing. But you jump on the boat, so to speak, and you're like, why in the world isn't it working? Why in the world is this not right? Paul puts this qualifier here. That somehow, by God's will. You know, there's a uh, couple of family friends that I'm praying for, that we're praying for, that physically their life does not look like it's going to be much longer, that they're going to be living. I want them healed. There's people in your lives. There's people in your circles. There's people in this church that I want them healed. I want this to come about. It is a good thing. Paul wanted to be at Rome. He wanted to go from Rome to Spain. Nobody in Spain at that moment that we know of, nobody at Spain knew who Jesus was. He wanted them to know that's a good thing but Paul doesn't jump on the boat the one that's going out the harbor today because he said I want more than anything by God's will I long to see you I long to see you that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to strengthen you but it's got to be by God's Brian, what does that mean for us? Let me ask you a few questions. Why do you talk to God about that person or about Him healing them or about that situation? Is it that... It's on this level that it's, it's just a good thing and, and you know them, you love them, you want them to be around and you want this to come about because it's good? Or is it something greater? Is it for His name to be championed even more? I've told this story a number of times.
spring of uh, 1999, Paige was in, my wife was in a head-on collision, and she was in a coma for a few weeks in Duke Hospital, and uh, I can take you to the apartment where I was trying to sleep at night. She's in ICU, and it's 10 days in, and every day when we talk to a doctor in the morning, we talk to a different doctor at night, at the beginning of the day, the close of the day, it's all bad news, terrible news. She's not doing well. She won't make it through the night. She won't make it another day. I mean, 10 days straight of this, and there's always a new problem that comes up. And that 10th night, I go back. It's about 1 or 2 in the morning. I go back to this apartment, and I am just laid out on the bed, and I came to this point, and I said, God, she's yours. You love her more than I love her. If you want her to go home, go home, take her. She's yours. Take her. But Father, if not, I pray that you would heal her. But but I did. I just gave her to him. And it's... I. I will not believe, nor am I stating this for you to believe, that it was because of that prayer that the tides changed. But I do believe this, that I had to come to a point that I recognized it's more about him than it is her. It's more about him than it is me. It's more about him than it is you. It's more about him than it is Hernando or anybody else or anything else. Paul understood that, and he said, you know what, I long to come to see you, but... It's got to be God's will. And I don't know what you're going through right now. I don't know if it's a great week, a terrible week, a great month, a terrible month, a great year, a terrible year, a great moment or not. But you and I must come to this same point that Paul understood. It has to be God's will. Because if it's not, we labor in vain. But also, we've got to come to the point that we will ask because we believe. James put it this way, count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, when you go through various trials, for you know, you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness and let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, that you may be mature, that you may be growing Lacking in nothing. If anyone lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously to all without reproach and it will be given to him. Here's the end. But let him ask in faith without doubting. For the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. For that person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He's a double-minded man. He's unstable in all of his ways. Paul comes to those at Rome, and might you and might I, our prayer life be similar to that of Paul. He comes unwavering. God, whatever your will is, this is what I want. I want your will to be done, and I will not get on that boat. I will not go see them until you open the door. But when you open the door, that is my only desire. Third key. Third key that Paul understood to the people at Rome and that you and I need to understand is this. 
an understanding of spiritual gifts in the body is spoken of right here. I'm going to close just a moment. He states this. I long to see you that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to strengthen you. That is, that we may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith, both yours and mine. I want you to know, brothers, that I have often intended to come to you, but I've been prevented thus far, in order that I may reap some harvest among you as well as among the rest of the Gentiles. An understanding of spiritual gifts in the body is spoken of. He understood it wasn't about Paul. If you've gone through a basics class here at River Bend, if you've been here a number of times, you'll know it is not the Brian Tillman show. It's not the other staff members show. It is God's church. This is his church. And we understand, and I want you to understand, it is a team effort without you and me using the spiritual gifts that God has given us this ministry and His name is not furthered as it should. Paul understood it. He told the folks at Rome, oh, I so thank you. I thank you for your faithfulness in the gospel. It is being proclaimed throughout the world. I want to come be a part of that. I want to come have some spiritual fruit among you. And I want to impart to you and instruct, yes, but I also want us to share For what reason? So that this news might be known by those that don't know it. So that one person might be championed and his name is Jesus. Paul wrote this to the people at Corinth. 1 Corinthians chapter 3 some of the verses will be on the screen. It states this, but, but I, brothers, could not address you as spiritual people, but as people of the flesh, as infants in Christ. I fed you with milk, not solid food, for you were not ready for it. And even now you are not yet ready. For you are still of the flesh. For while there is jealousy and strife among you, you are not of the flesh and behaving only in a human way. For when one says, here's the emphasis I want to bring to this passage. For one says, I follow Paul and another, I follow Apollos. Are you not being merely human? What then is Apollos? What is Paul? The servants through whom you believed as the Lord assigned to each other. I planted, Paul states. Apollos has watered, but God gave the growth. So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God who gives the growth. So what are you saying? It, here's what I want you And I want us to understand. God's kingdom is bigger than Riverbend Church. God's kingdom is bigger than the churches in Hernando. God's kingdom is bigger than the churches in America. God's kingdom is global. It is universal. That's his kingdom. He states that his church. It's his. Not yours, not mine. 
It does not matter who Paul is, who Apollos is, who Brian is, who River Bend is. It is all about the Father. He is the one who gives growth. A couple of verses further, it states this in verses 12 through 15. Now, if anyone builds on that foundation, the foundation of Christ, the foundation that is solid, if anyone builds on that foundation with gold, with silver, with precious stones, if they build on that foundation with wood, hay, or straw, each one's work will become manifest, for the day will disclose it, because it will be revealed by fire, and the fire will test what sort of work each one has done. If the work that anyone has built on the foundation survives, gold, silver, precious stones, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned up, wood, hay, straw... He will suffer loss, though he himself will be saved, but only as through the fire. I close with this. Have you ever found yourself, uh, maybe it's with a, uh, with a child, and uh, there's a, a situation or a circumstance that comes up and says, hey, here's what you need to do in this circumstance or in this situation. This is the right thing to do. And you tell that person, maybe it's a coworker and there's an issue at work, and you tell them that, and then you think, you say, you know what, I did totally opposite of that. This past week I was sitting at a table, and a church planner was asking me questions, and we were going through some things. And I told this church planner, I said, you know what, God? Here's what you need to do. In this, if this is the situation, here's what you need to do. And I laid it out, X, Y, Z, A, B, C. Boom, there it is. And I got in my truck, and I, I got back on the road and loved God's Spirit, saying, you know what, that's what you told that guy. And that's right. Are you doing it? Like, well, yeah, I know to do it. I didn't say if you know to do it. Are you doing it? Maybe you've sat in a conversation with a family member, a friend. Maybe it was over the telephone. Maybe it was face-to-face. Maybe it's the child. What do I do in this situation, mom, dad? Here's what you need to do, but you have done total opposite of that. Maybe it was because your motives were wrong. Maybe it's because the attitudes of service are wrong or sometimes even the action themselves is wrong. Don't quit. If the, if the motive is wrong or the attitude of service is wrong, don't quit. Confess and come back and obey. If the action is wrong, yes, quit. Stop. Sin. We are embarking on a huge journey going through the first section of Romans. And Paul comes out of the gates. He comes swinging and he says, hey, here's here's what it is. May you and I understand that as well. This is serious. Your life is serious. It's not, hey, let's coast for another week. Let's coast for another month. You may not have another week or another month. God says, come back to me today. Come back right now. I know everything that you have done, everything that you've thought, everything that you've said. I know it, and I love you. Why don't you come?
Heavenly Father, thank you for your son. Thank you for uh, loving me when I am unlovable. Thank you for dying for me, a sinner who could do absolutely nothing in and of himself to get right with you. Father, for a passage of Scripture that opens up like Romans chapter 1. Father, may you speak to our hearts this morning about our time with you. Above everything else, about our time with you. Father, when I think about my time with you this past week, this past 48 hours, past month, this year, Lord, I know that I've spent a lot of time not thinking about you, not with you. God, may we come, may I come back this morning to you, the King of all kings and the Lord of all lords, and more than anything else, just sit at your feet adore you, see you for who you are. Father, might we leave in just a few moments, encouraged, challenged, yes, but Father, just in awe of you, for it is about you, about no one else. It is your name and your fame and your glory. God, I pray that you would work in me, in us, more than we could ever ask or think. God, that we would come boldly to you, for you are a big, good, loving God. And you desire that your name is changed. May we come in faith. Seek your face and your will. Father, may it start this morning. Sir, if you are here this morning and you are wandering, you, you don't even know the direction you're going. You're all over the map, so to speak. God says, why don't you come back to me? Why don't you come to me a first time? Why don't you come back to me? Ma'am, if, if it's your attitude, if it's words that you say that, just tear folks down. Why don't you come and just give him your mouth? Sir, why don't you give him your mind? Why don't you give him your abilities? Church body as a whole, why don't we give him our spiritual gifts? He gave us those. Why don't you as an individual come back, confess, repent, and walk in obedience? The altar is open. I am here. If you would like to pray for me to pray with you, I'll be more than happy to, but above everything, let's obey. I ask it in Christ's name. Amen. You stand as we sing. Praise you, Lord.